Welcome to Tucumcari First Assembly's podcast. Now open your hearts to be changed by the Word of God. We're talking about how, how in, in, in the first part of the year, what we're saying is, is I want to I direct your attention back that God has dreams for your life. And in those dreams, those dreams fulfilled in you, you will do greater things than ever. And if, if you had a team of people that you could assemble, they would pale in comparison. And everything they suggested, y'all, y'all could accomplish. It would pale in comparison to the dreams that God has for you and the direction that he'll place you in. The things he'll equip you with. The partners that he'll place around you. All of those things. So I want to encourage you to live the dream that God has for you, okay? But today what I want to talk about is this. we got to live God's dream for our life despite the past poor decisions that we've all made. How many of you have made some poor decisions? If your neighbor's made some. Rat them out right now. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to do this, all of you. <laughs> right? I, I want to pause before we go into these things, these actual steps of discovering God's dream. And I want to talk about the biggest barrier that I think that we have. The biggest barrier that I believe that we have for God's dream for our lives is our past. Our past. Hope you got some notes when you came in. Listen, it's your past. It's your past that will stop you. And it will, because Satan knows your past, right? You know your past. Your future doesn't know your past. The people around you don't know your past. Maybe they do, but they certainly don't know your future. God knows. Not only your past, but your what? Your future. Therefore, if we could allow God to dream for us, with us, about us, and harness those things, that will carry us so much further. So I want to take a look at us living God's dream despite the poor decisions that we've made in the past. Because I meet people all the time who go, well, maybe I had my chance, but I've missed God's dream because of Whatever it is. And now I'm not on plan A. I'm plan B, C, K, Z. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, like God's out of plans for me. I, I've blown it so many times that I, I, don't think, I don't think he even has plans for anymore me anymore. I think he might have given up on me because I haven't been able to live up to the standard that he asked me to live up to on plan A. And I'm just here to tell you, you're listening to Satan, not God. He would love to discourage you. God comes along to encourage you, to input into you, not to detract or, or take away. And the one reason I know that, that God's word is God's word, guys, is because the, the, that the Bible's God's word is because it, it always tells the truth. The word of God is, is the truth of God. Even when we don't like to hear it, God still tells us the truth. How many of you have friends who always tell you what you want to hear? Those aren't friends. Right? True friends will tell you, even when you don't want to hear it, they'll tell you. Right? And, and, and you've got to give some people some access to your life to speak truth into your life all the time. If you don't have anyone that can tell you no, you're in a dangerous spot. I'm talking... If they say no, you hit the brakes as hard as you can. You don't ask why they're saying no, what their opinion is of your situation. You don't, you don't give them more information so they can give you a better, better advice. How many of you know you, we're all there, right? I do that all the time. Well, you wouldn't say that if you knew. Just let me, let me, let me expound a little. Right? we got to have some people in our lives that can check us up real quick hit the brakes really really hard and 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 it's because it's because we don't want future mistakes to become past mistakes that we can't get over man that wasn't even in the notes that was pretty good though okay first verse on your on your notes outline there James 3 2 actually I don't know if I put it but it says this James chapter 3 verse 2 we all stumble in many ways how many of you would agree with that verse you're like my neighbor right now they stumble in lots of ways 
Right? We, we tend to see the stumbles of others more than our own. But Scripture says we all stumble in many ways or sin in many ways. Everybody agree with that? Yes? So I, I looked up this word. It means everyone. All of us. We all. Everybody. Not a select. We all stumble in many ways. We all make mistakes. We all sin. We all have problems. We all hurt people. We all hurt ourselves. Okay? It's one of the most obvious truths in the entire universe, and I've never met anyone who claimed to be perfect. I I did meet a guy one time who claimed to be the best husband alive. (laughs) His wife didn't think so. Uh, We've all messed up. Yes? We've all messed up. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20. There, there is not a single person in all the earth who's always good and never sins. There's not a single person. There's not a person on earth who always does what's right, who always does what's good, who always follows exactly the letter of the law, the written word of God, and, and who never do, does what's wrong. The Bible says it like this in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the what? The glory of God or the glorious standard that God has set before us. The glory of God is his glorious standard that he has placed before our lives. We've all fallen short of the original dream that God had for us. That's what, that's what the word of God is saying here. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. I came, Jesus said, to save and destroy or to save and to restore that which was what? Lost or destroyed. Taken from you. Stolen out from under you. What, what's lost when we make Poor, de- poor choices or poor decisions. We lose our vision, right? We lose our dream. We lose our identity. We, can't, we, we lose our confidence. We lose who we are. We can lose our peace of mind. We lose our, our, our plans and our dreams that God has placed in our hearts that he set out before us. A lot of these things happen as a result of our poor decisions. Mine, not yours, but mine. Are you hearing me? So individualize this this morning. This is not a message to think about, well, I wish so-and-so was here because this really applies to them. (laughs) Right? Come on. This is you. This is me. This applies to everybody, okay? Part of what Jesus came to do is to restore God's original dream for you. What he has for you. For you, so important. God hasn't moved on from plan A. He hasn't moved on. He's still on plan A for your life. Some of you are like, oh, he's at least a plan B or C. You didn't know. You didn't know the year 2001 in our house. Come on. Plan A. God's still good with plan A. So how do we live God's dream despite our poor decisions. I have a few things for you. You ready to write some stuff down? Okay. Because I, I want us to use this weekend to look at some steps, okay? Some practical things that are actually spiritual things. The Bible gives us very, a very clear pathway how to get back on track if we've gotten off track. Okay? So write these down. Number one. The first step in recovering God's dream for my life is to honestly accept responsibility for my poor choices. This isn't time to blame shift, right? Culture shift, explain away. This has nothing to do with your parents, zero to do with your race or where you grew up in town. Nothing. We're talking about your responsibility for your choices. That's where we got to start. Right? I own up. I'm honest about my stuff. I accept responsibility for the dumb decisions that I've made. No one holding the gun to my head and making me do wrong things. Right? It's me. We've all stumbled in many ways. We, We just read this scripture that God said, all of us have sinned and fallen short. So I want you to take the pressure off of being perfect. You you screwed that up a long time ago. Right? You had an explosive diaper that shot up your back. 
in a public place. And you were smiling your way through it. Your mama wasn't. Your father was not. I promise. And then you didn't take responsibility. You're just smiling at everybody. I made a poopy. Right? Now you'd think different. We hope. If not, there's places for you. we got to honestly accept responsibility, yes? Now, what, what this means is when I don't accuse others, I don't excuse myself. Write that down. It's not in your notes, but it's good. When I don't, when I don't, when I don't accuse other people, I also don't excuse myself, which is what we typically do. We, we accuse and excuse since Adam and Eve, everyone's been excusing and accusing. This is all of us. We excuse ourselves and we accuse everyone else. We blame others. How many of you blame others? Man, I do. I'm good at it. I'm just telling you, I'm good at it. There are many, many examples I could give in Scripture why, why we make poor choices. Let me give, let me give you one. It's when Peter betrayed Jesus. When Peter betrayed Jesus Christ the night before he goes to the cross, even after Jesus had predicted to Peter, you're going to deny me three times before tomorrow morning. How many of you know, if you're, if you're Jesus' best friend, you're like, not now. I might have, I was going to, but not now, because you told me I was going to. How many of you are just that hard-headed? I think that's Peter. He just digs his heels in. I don't think that's true. Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times before tomorrow. And Peter's night before Jesus goes to the cross, he does exactly what Jesus said he'd do. He betrays him three different times. He makes three really poor choices, but he does it for four very, 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 very common reasons. The same reasons we do. And in Mark 14, we we see all this. Jesus is being betrayed by Peter. Here's four common reasons. Write write them down. The first cause is that it, it, it causes us to make poor choices is pride. The first reason why we make poor choices is pride. Pride, arrogance, ego. The Bible says pride causes us to fall. Pride causes us to make poor decisions. Now, in this we see in this up in, in this in the upper room. When they're up in the Jesus is in the upper room with his closest disciples, the original 12, he's in the room with them. They're taking the Lord's Supper, right? They're going to partake of, of, of the Lord's Supper together. And Jesus says at this moment, one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. And one guy pipes in and says, no way, Jose, that's not going to happen. Which guy is it? Yeah, it's the one, right? Mark 14, 29. Peter, Peter says this, everyone else may stumble in their faith, but I won't. What do we see here? Yeah, it's stinky, nasty pride. It's awful pride. Well, everybody else might do that, but I don't do that. Got a little swagger about him. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Pete. Pete, watch out. Pride becomes, comes before what? Before a fall. Lord, listen, these losers around the table, they'll bail out on you in a, in a moment. When the bread gets crusty, they'll bail out. Not me. I know, I know what you're going to go through. I, you, we've talked. You, you shared with me some insider info. You're getting ready to be arrested, tortured. They're going to take you to the cross. No way am I backing out. I'm with you, man. Right? Is this his attitude? Absolutely. He's setting himself up with pride. The Bible says if any man thinks he's not going to fall, take heed because he probably will. There are people who brag about their, their confidence the most are the ones who are going to most likely stumble. He says everybody may stumble, but I won't. It's just pride. 
It's pride. Practice saying this. I'm going to screw up. Some of you, that would be hard. Because you don't think you're going to. You will. And, And look at me. Jesus and the rest of us will still love you on the other side. Proverbs 11.2, pride leads to disgrace, but humility leads to wisdom. Humility. And anytime I start thinking that I'm a hot shot, listen, I'm, I'm dead in the water already. You know what? Like you might as well stick a fork in me, I'm done. Right? Any, anytime I'm thinking I, I'm invincible. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Whatever. Someone's always bigger, badder, bolder, better. Come on. And I'm not talking about you being beaten down and feeling less capable than you are. That's pride too. It's you think so little of God in you and so much of you that you have to be the one to carry you through life. The the heart is what? The heart is deceitful. That song, The Heart Won't Lie? Yeah, it will. Remember her name? (laughs) Come on. Remember him, ladies? You're like, I don't know if my heart lied, but he did. (laughs) We lie to ourselves. Listen, I lie to me before way more than I lie to anybody else. Right? You, how about you? This is just confession hour this morning. That's all this is. Have you ever made a dumb decision out of pride? Most of the dumb decisions were out of pride. You don't have to give us your illustration. The closest people in your family know it. <laughs> they still love you. Second, second thing on your... Fatigue. Second cause of a poor decision. Fatigue. When you get tired, when your resources are low, when your mental faculties are exhausted, when you're stressed to the limit, when you're hanging on, you're just about to go under. When you're fatigued, Vince Lombardi said, fatigue makes cowards out of all of us. The more fatigued you are, the more fearful you will tend to become and the more controlling you will tend to be. Now, Jesus, before he's arrested, he goes to this place, his favorite place to pray is a place called the Garden of what? Gethsemane. While he's there, he takes, he takes the guys with him and, they, and then he takes three of them, Peter, James, and John, and goes goes on a little further. You guys come along with me. You need to pray with me a little while. He's asking them. He, he wants the closest people to him to go and spend this time with him. It's a very, very important time. I, 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 don't, I don't need you to pray for me. I just need you to pray. Right? Spend time in prayer. Um, a ministry of presence is vital to our forward progress. Okay? And Jesus is saying, while I'm praying, and I'm praying through what I'm going to face, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to be tortured. All these things are going to happen. They knew exactly what was going to go on. Jesus is there praying his heart out. These guys, Peter, James, and John, what do they do? They fall asleep. They fall asleep. You ever gone on a road trip with somebody and be like, hey man, let's just talk, just keep me up. Right, 20 miles down the road. Right? You look over, they got that open mouth, jello neck head bob going on. You know what I'm saying? You're like, thanks, man. Thanks. Right? I went oryx hunting one time. <laughs> this is a long time ago. And uh, it's due. I'm due again. And because uh, that means so good. It's just so good. 
uh, hear my prayer, oh Lord. Grant me what I dream in Jesus' name. And, uh, but I remember driving home with my Uncle Mark. We left. I had shot an Oryx right before dark, and we left, and we were all the way at the southern end of the missile range. And we were coming back, and I don't know where we were, but I woke up. My Uncle Mark was driving, and we were going about 12 miles an hour down the middle of the highway. It was about 3 a.m. We were both asleep. And I'm like, hey, hey, what's wrong with you? He's like, I'm just doing what you said you'd do. It's like, nope, we're both screwed up right here. Thank God, right? We're still on the road. Um, <laughs> it's just what it is. There's not a lot to say about this one. When you're tired, you're just not at your best. And when you're tired, you allow things to creep in that would have never normally crept in. You would make decisions that aren't good. Jesus is there praying with the guys. They fall asleep. And in Mark 14, 37, he wakes them up and says, could you not stay awake with me for just one hour? Just one hour. <laughs> you, know what, you know what I'm thinking when I read this? Every time I read this, I'm like, I've prayed with a lot of people. It's hard for most of them to stay awake for an hour praying. Right? And they're with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he's going to be killed. Now, pridefully, I'm saying right now, I think I could stay up for an hour in that moment. But who knows? They have had a stressful few days, or maybe three and a half years. Yes? They left their families, they left their businesses, they left their hometowns. And they walked with this rabbi down the dirt roads of life, taking the gospel message to everyone. The first part of it. Because the whole death, burial, resurrection thing hadn't even happened yet. They were under a little bit of pressure, a little bit of stress. Could you just pray with me? Could you just stay awake for one hour? I'm asking you just to stay with me for one hour. What's happened? They're fatigued. They're fatigued. When you get fatigued, you're going to make poor choices. Never make major decisions when you're tired, when you're depressed. Mm. You don't take out loans when you're depressed. That's not smart. 37% interest, sure. Those leather seats really feel good. Third reason. Third reason people make bad decisions, fear of disapproval. I got to hurry. Fear of disapproval. Because I'm fearing disapproval right now. When you start worrying about what other people think, and I'm not talking about pridefully, because it does matter what other people think. Smile at me. See, you, you just right there, you thought, oh, the preacher's just dead. It doesn't matter. No, it matters. It matters what other people think. Because you are a testimony of Jesus Christ upon the earth. So it matters. It matters what people think. But if we worry about what people think around us, what other people would think if I make this decision or that one. If I stand up for God, what are they going to think? If I represent Christ in my business or at the job site. Or, or at school, or on my team. What are people going to think? What are be, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to make a poor decision if you value what they think over what God thinks. After Jesus was arrested that night, the Bible says this in Mark 14, verse 24, Peter followed Jesus. But he followed him how? At a distance. Can I, can I tell you something? Listen to me. Distance relationships, that's all they're good for. I don't need distant people. I need close. I need people walking with me. Come on. At a distance, he's following Jesus. Anytime you follow at a distance, you're going to make dumb decisions. Are you hearing me? You follow Jesus at a distance, you'll make stupid decisions. Peter, who's been right by him three and a half years, now he's scared to death and he's following him. 
way over there. He's scared of the 12-year-old girl conversation when she says, I, I've, haven't, haven't I seen you with that guy? No. Nope, not me. Different fisherman. Right, he runs into pro cuts. Right? Comes out looking like a college hippie. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they, have, you, have you seen the haircuts these days? Have you seen them? Seriously, let me, let me just pause here for a second. It's like they started and they stopped prematurely. This, this guy this weekend was leading worship, praise God, and I'm, I'm just poking on somebody here, okay? His hair, his hair was real short here and real long. It was, it was awesome for him. I think he wanted it like that. I'm not even sure. I tried to get close enough to ask him all weekend long, hey, dude, did you, did you have to run out? Did you get a phone call? Could they not work you back in before the conference started? My grandpa was a barber all my life, okay? I got haircuts forever. Gail and I were married before I ever got a haircut from anyone else. And I'll never forget the first haircut I went to. I went to super cuts or pro cuts. Was it pro cuts or super cuts? It was awful cut. <laughs> I walked in, sat down, and she says, now, do they normally use scissors or clippers? And I'm like, both? Okay, what number? I've never had to play the number game with my grandpa. Not one time. You know why? Because he cut it like he wanted. And he took as long as he wanted to. And he's in heaven now, and he could probably hear me. Thanks for the cuts. You know what I'm saying? They were awesome. I got a haircut. I drove immediately home, and Gail said, uh-uh. We went to the store, got clippers, and she cut my hair. We got scissors and clippers. Lacey's like, yeah, it takes both, doesn't it? Yeah, it takes both. <laughs> where am I at? I'm on fear of disapproval. That's where I'm at. Woo! I'm trying hard, y'all. Why do you follow at a distance? Because you're afraid. Because when you're close, everything can be seen. And when you're close, everything can be felt. Right? When you're close, they might crucify you too. Number four. Fourth reason we make poor decisions, short-term pleasure. Short-term pleasure. You're getting, you're getting ready to go to bed at night. And you know, you're, you, you, you're, you really shouldn't, but that banana split just sounds really good. That crumble cookie that someone brought to your house and left in your fridge, you didn't even do it, but it's there, and you know. And at 1027, you can hear it. You never heard a cookie in your life until this moment. Let's go, Right? Go for short-term pleasure instead of long-term health. It, ha it happens in a thousand different ways. When, when people overspend on their credit card, when they go deeper and deeper and deeper in debt, why? Short-term pleasure. I've used this illustration for years, and, and some of you, you're going to eye roll, but have you, ha how many of you have mortgaged an Allsup's burrito? <laughs> Here's what I've never had anybody say. I would fill out the paperwork for a mortgage on a burrito. But can I tell you something? I, pr I guarantee it. Within this congregation of people this morning, we've put burritos on a credit card and paid the interest on them. Not near as many laughs on that one. Why? Because you're three taco sauces in. That's why. I know why. And it's awesome. But that, that's what you did. You mortgaged a burrito, possibly a chimmy. Who likes a chimichanga? Yeah. That's a, that's a three taco sauce experience, though, I'll tell you right now. Um, here's what you need to understand in life. 
Put up with pain now so you can have pleasure later on. You put up with discipline now, put up with some inconvenience now, save your money now, you'll have a lot more pleasure later on. Come on, everybody. You spend it all now on short-term things, you're going to have the pain right there. You're going to have it one way or the other. One way or the other. You get to choose. You don't get to short, you don't get to short, short change pain for pleasure. Okay? You want to get... You, you want to get fit? You want to get healthy? You want to, you, want to, you want to work hard? Work hard now. Feel better later. But you're like, but it hurts now. Yeah, it, you pay either way. So now you can pay when you're younger, when you're more able, or you can pay later. Mark 14, 54. Then Peter sat down with the guards and warmed himself by the fire. S'mores, I'm guessing. Right? <laughs> Anybody got a coat hanger? I'll burn the paint off real quick. I'll get after it with some s'mores. Right? Got the big marshmallows. Or do y'all want to do bratwurst? I'm sure they were Hebrew national. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Had to be. This right... <laughs> I'm just having fun. I hope y'all are having fun. <laughs> this right here is why Jesus is being arrested and tortured. And what's he doing? He's, he's sitting with the enemy around the campfire eating campfire food. I'm taking a little liberty, but you, you see the illustration. Why? It's convenient. It's comfortable. He fits right in. When a moment ago he stood way out. Now he fits right in. Come on. Those are four common causes. There's a lot more, but I'm just going to take that much time for the four things. The four, the four choices of pride. The, the fatigue, fear, disapproval, short-term pleasure, right? Now, now, now here's an interesting these, these These four things, these four things, okay? These things cause Peter to make a dumb decision, Yes? Jesus isn't surprised by any of them. He's not surprised by any of them. You're like, yeah, he's God. He, he, would, he would have known about him. But, but <laughs> Jesus told Peter in advance, this is what's going to happen, and it happened. So we know he's not shocked, right? God even tells him, right? Peter, before the rooster crows, this is what's going to take place. Here's what he says. Look, look at the next verse. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. Simon Peter, Satan has asked to test you, but I have prayed for you. Satan's wish has asked to test you, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. When you have repented and recovered. This is after you denied me. I want you to strengthen the other disciples. There is so much here. I, I could take the next three weeks and just teach right here. Okay, it's so powerful. This verse teaches a lot about our failures. Okay, first, th first thing I want you to notice here is this. Jesus knows every failure in your life before it happens. He's not going to be surprised by the failures of this year. He wasn't surprised from the failures of last year. You're going to make some bad decisions in the future. God already knows that. He knows that. He knows the past, present, and the future. It's not, he's not like, he's like, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. God, God never said that. Jesus has never said that. He knew it was coming. He knew it was coming. He knows before it happens. Then, notice this, Jesus prays for you before it happens. He loves you so much that he's praying for you before the failure. The things that you're going to fail at, the things that you're going to screw up on, the, the sins that you're going to commit this week, next week, next year, Jesus has already prayed for those things. Now this is going to step on some theological toes this morning. But I want you to understand, this is who he is. This is what he's done. He has prayed for the dumb mistakes that we're all going to make. Future. Are you with me? Notice then, he says, when you have repented and recovered. 
He didn't say, Jesus knows you're going to recover. Jesus already no no Jesus already knows. He already knows. Okay? He already knows. He knows that he knows what those those things are going to be. He he and he's, he also knows that he has prayed for you in those areas of life and he knows you're going to recover from them. He knows that you will recover from your failures. Praise God. Right? He says, when you have recovered and repented. He then says, I want you to strengthen the other disciples. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus wants you to help others with what you learn from your mistakes. He wants you to help other people with what you learn from your mistakes. Well, now we're getting somewhere. Right? We're talking about these first things and God's dreams for our lives and we're, we're, we're navigating down this, this path. Part of God's dream for your life is to take the lessons of your mistakes and help other people with them. The same four things that he said to Peter, he says to you. I, I, I know every mistake you're going to make in life, I've already prayed for him. And when you have repented and recovered, you can help other people. He's always a hope-filled God. Are you with me? And it's, it's such good news. The, the first step in recovering God's original dream, right, is, 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 or, or is to, honestly, to honestly accept responsibility for those choices, okay? Okay? Here's the second step. Write this down. I then humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. I humbly ask for God's mercy and forgiveness. Now, I, I don't have to ex- explain this a lot because it just means humbly ask. If, if you don't know what to pray, I would highly, I would highly encourage you to, to, to know Psalm chapter 51, okay? Psalm 51, write Psalm 51 down. This is the pr- David's prayer of confession when he, after he had a guy murdered so he could steal that guy's wife. Th- this is the guy that God calls a man after my own heart, okay? So, uh, like, for real, this is who God is. Are you with me? For real, this is who he is. In Psalm 51... He mentioned eight, he, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you read it because um, for time purposes, but he, he mentions eight things that he asked God to do. First, first, he says this, have mercy. Circle that. Have mercy. It's in your notes. Circle that. Have mercy. Then he says, wipe out. Wipe out the stain of all my wrongdoing. Then he says, not only have mercy and wipe out, he says, wash away. So cleanse me from this. Wash it away. All my guilt and cleanse me. Cleanse me from what? My sins. Down a little bit further, he says, help me see. Help me see. Circle that. Help me see. Help me see. These these are things that you could ask God for. Wherever you've blown it, help me see what's deep inside of me. God, I don't see where I'm going wrong. Help me to see it. Then he says, create a new pure heart in me. Right? Create in me a pure heart. Oh, God. Remember that? How many from the 80s? Yeah, I am. I'm actually from the 70s, but here we go. Create a new heart, a pure spirit within me. Then he says, Renew my spirit with the right desires. There's a whole message here. I'm just, I'm giving you more than one. You ready? And restore the joy. Restore the joy of what? My salvation. Restore the joy of my salvation. Eight things that you can ask God to do in prayer when you've committed any kind of sin or mistake or evil. You can do those eight things. Then notice this, what what David promises to do. He says, then, or what God promises in him, then I'll, 
or David's saying it. He says, then I'll help bring others back to you too. So it's not all for you. Are you hearing me? It's not all for you. It's for you to get your life in connection and position with God so that you then could help other people. Come on. You're created to help other people. Isn't it interesting that David promises to do to God the very thing that Jesus told Peter to do when he was restored? He said, Peter, I know you're going to blow it, but when you come back, I want you to help other people from what you've learned from your mistakes. I want you to help them from what you've learned from your sin. I want, I, want, I, want to, I want to bring good out of bad. I want you to help other people. This is exactly what David promises to do here. God, I have blown it. I don't deserve any of this, but I'm asking you to do this for me so that I then can help others. Are you with me? I'll help other people with the pain that I've, go through, that I've gone through. How many of you have heard of a guy named Dave Ramsey? Anybody? You know, you know he, he, <laughs> he's been through bankruptcy like three or four times. He knows, right? He knows the pain. So that pain gives him a platform that he could speak from. Who, who better could help someone through the pain of a broken relationship through a, per, through a person that's had the pain of a broken relationship? The pain of addiction rather than a person that's gone through the pain of addiction. And what it's cost them and their family. Who better could have helped someone who went through the fiasco of a, a broken, messed up marriage than someone who went through the fiasco of a broken, messed up marriage? Right? Your past is part of the plan. Write that down. Your past is part of the plan. And I, 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 that, I, that I want to even, uh, God says I want to even use the bad parts of your life for the good of not only you, but other people in your life. You're going to go through pain. Don't waste it. Don't waste the pain. Uh, all my coaches growing up, good coaches, would, would yell at you, pain is short-lived. And you know what? They're all right. All of them were right. Because about 20 seconds after the last wind sprint, okay, let's go on in. Right? But you think you're going to die right before that. Because you're focused on the pain, not the, what, not the result of the discipline in the moment. Come on, everybody. This, right here, this, is, this is the difference between believers and non-believers. Everybody in the world has the same kind of pain. The difference is this. Believers use it to help other people. Okay? We use it for good. We redeem it. God says, this is what I want to do with you, through you, around you. Are you with me? Write down these important statements. Write them down. Number one, there's no plan B. Number two, my mistakes are part of God's plan. Right? Romans 8, 28, we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who, who what? Love God and are called according to his purpose. That verse right there is misquoted, misused all the time. Well, God says he's going to work everything out for good. No, he doesn't. He doesn't say that. He says he's going to work everything out for the good of those who love him. And who are called according to his purpose, not their own. Major difference. Right? Right? Weather balloon, spy balloon. Big difference. Yes? Yes. Sugar-free donut? Regular donut? No. Why, why even? Right? Why even? Almond milk? Mm. Dirt? Tinted white. Liquid form. Do, do you see how God, how, how important God's dream is for you? 
When, when you say, God, I'm giving you all the pieces of my life, he puts them all back together in the right way. And people said, well, you, you can't unscramble an egg. God can. He made it. He can do whatever he wants with an egg. Or your egg. Hello? Do you think you're God? Next time you really take ownership of a situation and you're just driving it with pride, I want the Holy Spirit to convict you and you're going to look in your rearview mirror at some point driving down the road and you're going to ask the question to yourself, do I think I'm God? And in that moment, yes, you do. But I hope you, it causes you to hit the brakes, pull over to the side of the road and make some things right with Him. Because you're not. You can be the God of your life. He gives you full opportunity to do so. You just have to suffer the consequences of all of those decisions. Relying on you. Pray to you all you want. But you'll have to answer your prayers. God causes everything to work together for the good. Come on, everybody. It doesn't say it's all good. It's not. There's a lot of bad in the world. There's a lot of sin in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. It's not all good. God, God causes to work together for the good. For, for everybody? No. Not for everybody. Everything is, is not working together for good for everybody. Well, I don't understand why people are suffering. It's super easy. Sin is why we're suffering. Everyone suffers because of sin. And there's a lot of sin in the world, yes? A lot of evil in the world. It's not all good. It's not all good. You see how important his dream is. God, I'm going to give you all the pieces. Okay, even my mistakes when I do that can be part of the plan, your dream for my life and for other people. Third thing in your notes, write this down. God expects me to use them to help others. That's what we've been talking about. I'm talking about my mistakes, my sin. I'm talking about my embarrassment, my failure. God expects me to use them, the troubles of my life, the trials of my life, to help other people. God doesn't really care about the source of your problem. He said, just use them for my purpose. Whether it was your dumb decision or someone else's. Come on, everybody. God says, I'll still use it for your good, and I expect you to use it to help others. 2 Corinthians 1.6, if we have troubles, and of course, do we? Yes or no? We do. It is for your benefit and salvation. That's what the Word of God says. The troubles are for your benefit and your salvation. When you have troubles for someone else's benefit, that's called redemptive suffering. Okay? If we have troubles for your benefit, like if you ask me to move and I show up, that's redemptive suffering. Smile at me. Right? It's for your benefit. Uh, otherwise, you're, you're helping someone else with your pain. You with me? For God helps us recover. Then we can encourage you so that we can patiently endure the same thing that things that we did for 2 Corinthians 1.6. By this, by the way, is the, is the, this is the 12th step in recovery. If you've never gone through a 12-step program, this is the 12th step in, repro- in recovery. You're not recovered until you're helping someone else with theirs. There are a lot of Christians, we never get there. We, we don't help other people. We're just living in the basking in the moment. Oh, isn't he good? His praises endure forever. It's just about me. Right? No. We're going to redemptive stuff. We're going we're gonna to give ourselves to help other people. A couple questions. Write these down. Write these down. These aren't in your notes, but write them down. What are the biggest troubles that you've had in your life? What are the biggest troubles? And what have you had to... What have you had to pay? So, what have you had to patiently endure? 
What are the biggest troubles and what have you had to patiently endure? The answer to those two questions are a vital part of the ministry that God has for your future. And his dream for your life. Are you with me? Are you with me, everybody? Okay. God doesn't want to waste your heart. Okay. I've, I've told you many times, we, we always help people more through our weakness than with, than with our strength. Okay. You all have some great strengths. I have some great strengths. Okay. But. I have some great weaknesses in my life as well. We all have a bunch of those. But if I got up here and tried to tell you all the good thing, uh, the things that I'm good at, wouldn't help you, would it? But if I get up here and share with you how I've went through this problem and I've gone through this thing and I went through that and how I recovered from that stupid mistake and how I've made progress, then, then even in my weakness in this particular area of my life, I think you'll go, oh, well, maybe then God could help me too. See, it's through the pain and the difficulty and the mistakes and the weaknesses that that gives us an opportunity to declare the goodness and mercy of God. The goodness and mercy of God exists amazingly in, in the lives of people that haven't gone through a whole lot of pain. He kept them from it. That's awesome. I pray that over all of the kids. The kids in our church, the families in our church, God, keep them from pain. Keep them from difficulty. Keep them, God, from having to go through the agony of certain sorts of pain in their life. And God wants to use us, but he knows we're not perfect, and we know that too. And so he also wants to use the, the points of pain in our life to help other people. One of, the, one of the biggest pains of my life was years ago, I went through about a depression that was just, it was just really, really hard, and I didn't know what to do. It wasn't a faith problem. I, I believe and trusted in God the entire time. I've had people say, hey, you just need to trust in Jesus. I did. I did. But I, I just, I also laid my head on the desk for eight hours a day and cried. I also needed Peter Pignon to talk to me, my counselor. Well, if you just had faith, you would need a counselor. That's, that's crazy. God put people on this earth to help us. Can I finish real quick? You ready? Hold on to your notes. Here we go. I'm, I'm going to go fast. And here's what I'm going to answer right here. Check it out. Why does my sin not invalidate God's dream for me? Why does my sin not invalidate God's dream for me? Number three, I'm going to finish that one real quick. Just hold on. I gratefully accept God's grace and forgive myself. I forgive myself. Notice the last part, I for, and forgive myself. I gratefully accept God's grace and forgive myself because a lot of people don't do that part. Philippians 1.7, Christ sacrificed his life, his life's blood on the cross to set us free, which means that all our sins, right? All our sins are now forgiven. Yes? When were they forgiven? A couple thousand years ago. How many of them were forgiven? Just the ones you've done? No, all of them. Christ died for every sin you've committed in your entire life, and he did it all before you were ever here. Theologically, growing up, this was weird to me. Because I thought that God had gone to the cross for my sins, the ones that I'd already committed. But if I sin again, the reality was he's already gone to the cross. Yes? Well, Pastor Rick, you're dancing around some really... Important things. Am I? Do we trust him or not? Do we believe in the preeminence of Jesus Christ as the Son of God or do we not? 
can we walk away from a relationship with him? Yes or no? I've seen lots of people walk away from relationships with lots of people and with God. They completely changed their lifestyle, their, their, their renewed mind, no longer renewed. Come on, everybody. They live in Crazyville now. So you, do, you, you take that up with God however you want to take it up. All I know is this. My sins were forgiven on the cross of Calvary. And if I go out today and rob Allsup's from all the burritos and the box of taco sauce, my sin for that is forgiven too. Right? So, why does my sin not invalidate God's dream for me? Number one, write it down. Because Jesus already paid for all my sins. 1 John 2, 2, when Jesus suffered and sacrificed for our sins, he solved the sin problem for God. Not only our sin, but the whole world's sin. Number two, second reason, my sin doesn't invalidate God's dream for my life because God's goodness isn't based on my performance. Aren't you glad? My, my goodness isn't based on God's performance. I mean on my performance. God's goodness to you is based on the fact that God is a good God. It's not based on the fact that you deserve it. You don't. You don't deserve it. None of us deserve the mercy and grace of God. Titus 3.5, Jesus saved us not because of the good things we did, but because of his mercy. Everything that God does in my life, everything. It's, it's not because I deserve it, it's because he's a merciful God. It has nothing to do with me, either earning it or deserving it. Nothing to do, it's called grace, it's called mercy. Come on everyone. Third reason in your notes. Number three, God's calling and gifts are given to me unconditionally. God's calling, and God has a calling on everyone's life, amen? God has called you to a certain dream. God has called you to a certain purpose. He's, he's called you to that. He's given you gifts to fulfill that calling unconditionally. You don't work for them the callings that I've received on my life, the giftings that I, I didn't even pray for them. Some of them I don't even want. Are you with me? Right? If, if you came and worked for me for a year and then I paid your, you your money and I said, here's, here's my gift to you, you'd say, that, that ain't a gift, that's mine. I earned that, right? Well, I just want to, because of the goodness of my heart, I want to do this for you. It's not a gift. I earned it, right? Look, look at me. You didn't, you didn't work for God's calling. His gifts are given unconditionally. Romans eleven twenty nine. 29, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They cannot be withdrawn. Everybody, listen, <laughs> God's dream, his original dream for you, still in full force for your life. Because God, God never makes mistakes. If you believe that God has to now be on plan B or C, you, you, then he, made mis- he didn't make mistakes. Next, I generously forgive those who've hurt me. I generously forgive the people in my life that have hurt me. If you want to get past your past, you've got to generously forgive. If you, if you want to believe, if you want to trust and, and know that God has a future for you, his dream for you, you've got to get past those who've hurt you. Well, I, I really don't like this part. I like being forgiven. I don't want to forgive anyone else. Yeah, I know. Right? I like eating donuts too. Um, 
Not only do you need to let go of your own sin, you need to let go of other people's sin too. Follow me on this. There are three things that will keep you stuck in the past. Three things. To keep you from living God's dream for your life. Grief, guilt, and grudges. Grief, guilt, and grudges. They'll keep you stuck. That's why I feel like I had to do this message and talk about the past. Because you've got to let go of the guilt if you're ever going to move into the future. You have to. You'll never get to the dream if you don't let go of the guilt. If you don't let go of the grudges. Well, you don't know what they did. At this point, it doesn't matter. At this point, you need, to, you need to learn to live beyond it. Come on, everyone. This means you've got to forgive people. You've you got to forgive other people. You've got to let them off the hook just like God let you off the hook. Why do you desire that, but you won't give that to them? Well, you don't know. I'm suffering the pain and consequences. For, yeah, God did too. His boy hung on a cross. Yours didn't. You're mad at what they said online. Really? That changed what? It changed how they looked online. Because here's what I know about you and me. You bought your reputation. And I bought mine. How do do we get beyond that? Well, you're going to need to forgive other people and they're going to need to forgive you. Yes? Number five, courageously face the future with faith. Face the future with faith. In Job 11, he gets some of the best advice for recovering a dream. Chapter 11, verse 13, here's what he says. Devote your whole heart to God. Reach out to him in prayer for help. If you get rid of the sin in your heart and in your home, you will face the world again without shame. Circle that. Without shame, you'll be strong and free of fear. Then you'll forget your past troubles. You'll forget your past troubles like water under a bridge. Your life will be brighter than noonday. Even in darkness, you're going to shine like the morning. Now you'll have the courage because you'll have hope. But it's not until we get here are you with me? But I, Pastor Derek, I've been praying. I've been reading my Bible. I've been studying, but I've, I've held on to this pain. I've held on to the shame. I've held on to the, the, the irritation that other people have done these things to me in my life. And it may be 20, 30 years ago. It might have been two days ago. Let me just tell you something. Let go of it and step into the freedom that God has for you. Because his dream for you is, is about the freedom that exists on the other side of the, the guilt and the pain that you're, you're, you're helping keep upon your life by, by holding other people in the sin of their past. Causing them to pay for it. Rather than forgiving them with the heart that God is forgiving you with. Amen? I'm preaching better than you're saying amen, but it's okay. I hope you've written a lot of notes. I have a whole lot more, but I want to stop right here because here's the, here's the point I'm making. The Bible's full of people who got us a lot of second chances. Moses murdered a guy, right? David does all the things David did. Jonah, Jonah runs from his assignment. Noah gets drunk, embarrasses himself after the biggest, the, the, undoubtedly the biggest miracle in the Old Testament. And God's still like, yeah, they all made my Hall of Fame chapter in Hebrews 11. Why? Because he's not a God that requires your perfection. He's a God that requires your, your repentance and your forgiveness both to you and outwardly to others. Forgive as you have been forgiven. How many of you would say to me, that's one of the hardest things to do in this walk of Christianity? Yes? It's one of the hardest things. 
Would you stand to your feet all over the room? Wow. Some of you are like, man, I didn't think I was ever going to stand up again. Guys, listen, I, I do. I apologize for last week and this week keeping you so long. But here's what I don't apologize for. I don't apologize for where God is taking us. Because what he has for you, you want it. Do you hear me? You want what God has for you. You want it. I want you to hunger for it. Thirst for it. I want you to desire it. God, give me what you have. Show me the dreams that you have for my future. Can we just pray together all over this house? God, thank you for family. Thank you, God, for the church family that you have gathered here together today. God, we miss certain people that are not here, but we are thankful for God for those that are in the room hearing about the dream that you have for us. And today we push pause for just a moment to reflect on the past, the mistakes that we've made and the sins that we've committed and the the pain that we've endured. But God, it's my prayer that we would allow you to just, as sons and daughters, to hear from you. That you love us, that you care for us, that you've, even now, God, you'd still send Jesus to Calvary's cross on our behalf. Knowing what we know, having been through what we've walked through, to redeem you want to redeem in us the past mistakes how many of you would say right now you would you would just say you know what I want to ask God right now to help me with the past because I beat myself up I still allow other people to beat me up over it and I, I want freedom from the past right now raise your hands all over this room come on all over all over all over yep that's, that's most of us Come on, everybody, raise your hands towards heaven and just say, God, God, forgive me. Forgive me for holding myself to the past. Forgive me, God, for not forgiving myself. Forgive me, Lord, for not forgiving other people that still hold me to the past mistakes of my life. Today, I step into a new era. I have have a brand new day, one free from the past. Now what I take into the future as I take the wisdom that the past has shown me. I take the wisdom because of the spirit you were guiding me and directing me. You were like a father with his arm around me and you were taking me through all the difficult thing that I was facing, some of it on my own doing, but here I stand and I'm not there, I'm here. And where you have for me is greater than where I've been. And I recognize there's other people that might need what you've done in me. I'm not going to get prideful in the past. I'm not going to get arrogant about my sin of the past, but I am going to say, God, use and redeem the past of my life to help shape the future for other people because what you have for me and what you have for them is so much beyond, greater than ever, ever before. So I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to live your dream for my life. Thank you for listening with us today. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash or join us for service Sundays at 9 or 11 a.m.